With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Icarus FC, and of course, for the culture. This is your host, as always, Elliot Barr, and his joining me is, some would say, the energizer buddy of the Richmond <laughs> Kickers, is Mr. Luke Pavone. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, no problem, man. So, first thing I got to ask you off back, man, is the shoe game that you have, I feel like every week is a different Jordan or Air Max or something. <laughs> Where did this where did this thing with shoes come from? And what's your favorite pair? Oh man. Well, it started with my brother. My brother is a big uh he's a big sneakerhead. Um unfortunately I, I don't get to see him very often. But um, you know, growing up he started getting into the shoes a lot. And I've always just been a you know, I've always looked up to my brother, so I started getting into the shoes and then more recently actually I've sold a good chunk of my shoes to start a art collection, which I've been a little bit more into lately than the sneakers, but I still got a fair share of sneakers. And I would say my favorite pair are these like Porsche inspired donks that I just got pretty, pretty pricey pair of shoes. I have yet to pull those out. So maybe, uh, maybe the Lauderdale game, I'll, I'll pull them out. Ooh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. So you also mentioned that you're an art collector now. And for those who don't follow Luke on Instagram, I recommend it to you because his pictures be pretty dope. I yeah, appreciate that, into, man. Oh, no problem. Man. How did you start getting into art, and why is it something you're you're looking into now? Um, honestly, like it started with the shoes. Like the whole sneaker culture kind of got me into that. But then I kind of realized, like, you know, coming home from training and stuff, and you know, I'm always in sweatpants and training tops because you know it's every day for us. We don't really get much time off, so I found myself really not wearing my shoes often because I was always in my trainers. And, like, the shoes just sit in my closet. Like, I'm looking at them right now. They look cool. But, like, the art, I come home, I look at it. It means more to me. You know, it speaks to me more. And just kind of – I really got into the art, I think, during COVID. You know, I just had to – I had to find new hobbies and I had to find new things to keep my mind going. And it really started with doing puzzles from, like, my favorite artists and putting those together. And then, you know, kind of started the collectible thing. And, you know, it's good. It's good. It's funny because, you know, my dad used to only let me and my brother get – like one pair of shoes a year and one pair of spikes a year. So, and we'd have a budget, you know, under a hundred dollars. So now that, you know, I make my own money and I can do what I want with it, you know, I'm kind of trying to get myself some nicer stuff getting, getting older, but you know, it's a, uh, it's the like pop art culture, kind of the sneaker head uh, culture that I'm, I'm into. So that kind of, you see that on my outfits a lot. Yeah. That's kind of like the day where everyone grows up is like, you know, you share a video game system with your siblings, and now that you're adult, you're yeah, like, I want this, I want that, I want this. exactly, exactly. I but you know, I gotta, I got a budget still. You know, I gotta be smart about where I'm spending. So I try to, I try to pick and choose when I'm buying stuff and when I'm selling stuff. You know, there's more to it than just I like that. I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> uh, I definitely feel you. I definitely feel you. 
So with all of that out of the way, <laughs> I want to ask you, man, like, how did you fall in love with the game in soccer? How did it come to you? Well, you know, like I said, growing up, I had an older brother and my dad was a gym teacher. So I was always just around sports and I was always playing, you know, basketball when I got off the bus or putting on rollerblades or shooting hoops with my dad and my brother when I got off the bus. You know, my like quasi brother, Mark, played for Bournemouth and he lived in my house for a while. So when I get off the bus, you know, he'd always be challenging me to, you know, take free kicks and stuff like that. So I was playing from when I could remember, but. To be honest, when I was a kid, I was actually more into gymnastics than I was into soccer. What, really? You were in this, so you mean to tell me there's a parallel universe where you could be in this Olympics right now? <laughs> Yo, honestly, it's funny. I say <laughs> it to myself all the time. Like, I, If I never quit gymnastics, I have you know, faith in myself that I probably at some point potentially could have gotten there. I won... I won states. I was the best gymnast in New York state when I was 11. And then I literally quit right after I won states, went out on top. Cause my dad basically told me like, listen, man, you know, you're playing a lot of soccer. You're doing a lot of gymnastics. And it was just too much of a load for an 11 year old kid. So I quit gymnastics and I picked soccer and here I am. I love the way how you say you went out on top. You retired as the best. That is 11. <laughs> yeah, retire yeah. speech and everything. It was pretty funny, man. But yeah, I mean, my my family and my my brother, you know, they pushed me a lot as a kid to, you know, always, you know, be athletic and be the best I could at what I did, and I'm I'm super thankful for that. Yeah. So I hear you talk a lot about family and how close um, your brother, your mom, mm -hmm. your dad was to you and everything mm -hmm. like that. What does it mean to have like your family members be that? Um, close to you and, you know, help you follow your career? Because I think it was the first game of the year, like your mom and dad came to the Revs 2 game, right? Yeah, yeah, my mom, my mom, my, yeah, my mom, my stepdad, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had a bunch of, well, all my family's from Boston, so, you know, getting to play at Gillette is, you know, incredible to me. I grew up going to New England Revs games, and I've actually been to more Revs games than I have probably any other MLS team and stuff like that. So, you know, and I went to UMass. So every time I get a chance to go back to Boston and see my family, you know, it's very, very special to me. So, you know, who else is a Rams fan is Shanir. So he'll probably love the fact that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really like a Rams fan, but you know, growing up, it's cool to, it's cool to go to Gillette stadium. And then, you know, it comes back full circle. I get to play on that pitch now. And it's just like, you know, it really makes you think back to when you were a child. And, you know, I have that, I have that moment a lot now, even as a, as a kickers player, you know, seeing the kids that I coach and stuff at the games. And it really makes you think back to when I was that kid. And, you know, I was my hero in a way, you know what I mean? But now I just think of myself as a regular guy, you know, but so it's kind of cool that it all comes full circle now. Yeah. No, I imagine that it has to be really cool to live out the dreams and play on a field that you, you know, going to go see games at. Yep. Um, so you mentioned that, you went to UMass. You also went to Buffalo State College, which I'm not going to lie mm -hmm. to you. I did not know there was a Buffalo State until I started researching you. <laughs> yeah, um, man. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a, that's a a crazy story. I got a lot of uh, – I mean, I'm probably not allowed to curse on here. I got a lot of crap for uh, for that move. But, you know, I had uh, I had my personal reasons and I had stuff going on in my life that I had to just get closer to home. So, Yeah, I understand. So I want to start you off at UMass. What was it that brought you to UMass? How was your time there? Things like that. Well, my dream, you know, growing up, I played for a really good club team back in upstate New York. We won nine state championships in a row. So I was thankful enough to, you know, play for a powerhouse club and, you know, get a good amount of schools breathing down my neck trying to get me go there. And um, 
I knew I wanted to play D1. That was always a dream of my dad and I's. And ended up, you know, Coach Coke saw me at Potomac right down here in Maryland and um, kind of just went from there. And that was really my first, you know, real offer that, that intrigued me. I had a lot of other offers, but that was the one that, you know, really stuck out to me. And like I said, you know, being in Massachusetts around my family, it was kind of a, kind of a no brainer for me. And then once I, once I went there, you know, it was just, that's, that's the place I wanted to be simple as that. So. Okay. Okay. And then you mentioned that you transferred over to Buffalo state college. Yep. Two years, two years at UMass, two years at Buff state. Yeah. What made you want to transfer and leave? Um, so two weeks after I turned 18, I was already committed, obviously, to UMass. I was committed there since, like, the end of my sophomore, beginning of my junior year of high school. But so I had to reach my first goal in my career, you know, which was going D1. You know, my dad was super proud of me. But um, he actually committed suicide two weeks after I turned 18, like, basically right before I was leaving for, for UMass. So luckily, Coach Coke and, you know, the guys, they were a great support system for me. But, you know, I'm a pretty mentally strong guy. But the two years there were just – you know, I had a lot of uh, issues going on in my life and my own in my own head and, you know, my own personal stuff. So I uh, decided to make the change to Buff State where actually, you know, I call my brother Mark Howlett. He's not my blood brother, but he's the guy who moved from England and lived in my house because my dad was his college coach and he didn't have enough money to, you know, live at the dorm. So he lived in my basement. And now basically I call my brother. I'm super close to him. And he was the coach at Buff State. So I basically just called him, you know, crying multiple times, just saying, you know, I didn't have any issues with UMass. We weren't the best team in the world, but I had no issues with school or with the people or with the coaches or anything there. I loved it there, but, you know, I, I couldn't hold on mentally and I wasn't doing great in school through all the things that I was going through in my head. So, um, yeah, I decided I just needed to, to go to Buffalo, New York, which is about 50 minutes away from Rochester, where I'm from. And I, think that was the best decision I'd ever made. You know, I really got my head on straight there. And, and then I think that's where I got myself to the pro level, even though it was a D3 school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's a smaller school. But mm-hmm. like just looking at, you know, what you've been through and talking to other people like Matt about your experience in Israel and things like that, it really seems like you have, like, everything you've overcome has made you only a better person. Yeah, no, I mean, I really appreciate that because, you know, it's I'm a firm believer and you have to fail to succeed. And, you know, I have a, I have a tattooed on my arm, Metzapim, which in Hebrew means look forward. So, you know, I'm not I'm not the type of guy to dwell on things in the past. You know, I try to move forward with my everyday and just try to be the best version I can be. You know, it sounds cliche, but, you know, when, when you can adopt that mentality and stuff like that, it, it makes life a lot easier. And, you know, I'm eight years out since my dad, since that's happened. And, you know, I'm a generally happy guy. You know, I think you guys as the fans see me smiling, see me having a good time for the most part. But I'll be honest, there's days that I still struggle. But luckily, I have a, a really good support system around me, you know, with my mom, my brothers, Maddie, my teammates. You know, Darren's great. Everyone's great. So, you know, I really can't, like you said in the beginning of this, you know, I really can't complain, man. Yeah, most definitely, man. Most definitely. So, um, we're going to lighten the pot up a little bit. You know, yeah, no, no worries. On Luke's face. <laughs> Um, so I want to ask you this question, man. This comes from the fans. What is your pre-game routine? Because we see you definitely, you know, you probably got the best kicks on the team, but what do you <laughs> do right. leading up to games to get you ready? Um, well, I mean, any pro will be lying to you if they don't have their own little, like, ritual they do, to be honest. Um, I mean, I'm going to say something that's probably against the norm, but, like, I, I hate game day, man. Like, because like, you just – 
you wake up, you got nothing going on. You, I try all day to keep my mind off the game. You know, I'm doing everything I can to not think about it, but that's our job, man. Saturday is all that matters to us. So game day can be stressful, but then, you know, it's a, it's war. Like I, I look at every game as a war, man, a 90 minute battle of a 90 minute fight. So either coming out on top or you're not. So it's like my, my pregame ritual is nothing too crazy though. You know, I like to be on the sticks. I like to be on the music dictating that. And if, if I can't, if Emmy beats me to it with some Spanish music, then, you know, I'll, I'll pop my headphones in, but just, just, just the typical stretch, you know, roll out. I got to get my ankles taped because of past injuries. And then I'm a big visualizer, you know, thinking about what I'm going to do in certain spots where I receive the ball. You know, if I get in certain situations, you know, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? But, at the pro level, you know, there's a way we try to play and there's a game model. It's not like back in the day when it's like, hey, just go out there and be good, you know, run around. Like there's very specific things that we got to do and I have to, you know, keep in the back of my mind at all times. So it's, you know, a lot more goes into it than just going out there and running around. So there's a big mental mental side to my preparation, I'd say. It's probably the most important for me. Okay, okay. So I got to ask, man, what are you playing on, on the on – the- on the box. Oh doing? man, we're going. I'm all over, bro. Jay Z, Kanye, you know, some some heavier stuff, some lighter stuff. You know, it's all about keeping it up and down for the boys. You know, you'll get reactions from some of the guys. You know, Devontae will be in the corner. Ooh, you know, like so you know what hits and what doesn't. But you know, I got I got a few different playlists. If any of you guys want to follow me on Spotify, go for it. I just switched from Apple Music, so. Yeah, man, but a lot of you know, a lot of hip, a lot of hip hop, some upbeat stuff, you know, some some older classics, some Nelly, you know. I, I basically try to cover it all. What you dropping Nelly out here? Yeah, yo, dropping... man. Hey, oh, hey, I, I, hey, I'm a oh, '90s baby, man. Tip drill Nelly. <laughs> Not like EI, you know, all that stuff. Oh, okay, we, got okay. we got it all going. We got it. Heart of a champion, the classics, man. The classics, okay. you know. I was about to say that'd be really awkward. No, I was gonna say that's that's probably not the vibe before kickoff. But <laughs> you want to know what's actually funny? I'll give you some insight real quick to like the guys that have been here for a bit longer, like me, Maddie, Yvonne, Akira. Um, for the past two years, not so much this year because we got a lot of Spanish influence now. But the past two years, every time we win, we play Natasha Bedingfield in the locker room after the game, and it is just. It is just so funny, man, seeing a bunch of dudes just screaming Natasha Bedingfield at the top of their lungs in the locker room. It's, it's too much. Oh, I need video footage of this. Yeah, I yeah. Well, well, Hobby used to always blow us in, man. Well, Hobby used to always be videotaping. And, you know, after a game, some guys aren't dressed. So it's like, yo, you got you to be easy with the video after the game. But, no, it's good, man. We got a good group of guys. Everyone gets on well, you know. It's great. That is hilarious. That is hilarious, man. All right. Um. So let's talk about your pro career now. Um, you started off at FC Buffalo, then went to Rochester Lancers. Then I hope I say this right because I've been practicing it all day. <laughs> I'm um, ready for this one. All right. Hopel Petitakvich. <laughs> Did I say it right? I probably didn't. No, all right. Yo, I'll give it, I'll give it to you <laughs> once. I'll give it to you once. You can try to repeat it. Ready? Hapoel. Hapolo. Hapoel. Hapoel. Petach. 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 So the CH in Hebrew is like, like you're throwing up. <laughs> so okay. it's Hapoa, 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 Tikva. Okay. We'll just stick with HPT. For yeah, that's, that's, that's cool, man. And honestly, it wasn't a great time in my life. So it's, it's all good. Like, <laughs> I learned a lot about myself, though, from that Israel trip. And, you know, looking back on that, that's, I think that's where I learned most about myself and, 
you know, my, my mental capacity and my ability to, you know, shut things out in the past and just move forward and be the person I am. So I'm super thankful for that. Well, I want to ask you that. Like, why did it work out for you in Israel? Because I remember when we signed you, it was like, oh, we're getting this guy from Israel. And I'm like, wait, wait. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I had to get my citizenship just to go play there. So, like, quick backstory: I went on what's called birthright trip, which is if you're Jewish, you get to go to Israel for free for ten days. So, I went there with my old college roommate and basically just like fell in love with it, man. And at my agent at the time, still my same agent, but I told him I was like, "Listen, man, I'm going on this trip, and I'd like to go on trial after my trip." So it worked out great. I went on trial after my birthright trip. I stayed there in Haifa with my buddy's family for a couple extra weeks and I've done really well for myself. To be honest, I played a 90 minute game after, you know, not playing for 10 days and, you know, having a few drinks and enjoying myself on the beach and stuff like that. I was actually pretty nervous because I was right out of college and it was like, Oh my God, it was, it was a division one team we were playing against an Israeli premier team. And I've actually done really well for myself. So they basically told me, listen, man, go home, get your get your uh, citizenship and you can come back and we'll sign you. And that's what happened, you know, and it was right out of college and it was right after I was out for a year with an ankle injury and I basically had to learn how to walk again. So for me, it was like light at the end of the tunnel, man, you know, after that, that setback. And then long story short, you know, I don't, we don't talk about it forever, but I was on a two-year contract straight out of college and my owner got arrested for tax evasion. Excuse me, what? <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, but the owner to my team got arrested on for tax evasion and, uh, you know, the whole the whole thing just kind of went downhill from there. You know, I had to move into my agent's grandma's house and live out of a suitcase for three, four months and, you know, try to find a new team before the transfer window closed after hurting my ankle again. And, you know, just it was just it was, you know, I'll be honest, I, I called my mom crying more times than not. You know, it wasn't it was it was really hard because I was still learning Hebrew at the time. You know, I didn't have a lot of friends at the time either, you know, I made some good friends in Israel and I still do have good friends over there. But, you know, at the time it was me versus the world that felt like, and, you know, it felt like everything was coming down on me, but just found it within myself to just push on. And I thought my career was over basically after that. And then, you know, made a few moves after that and landed in Richmond and I've never been happier. So. Oh, well, we love you here, Luke. You know that. <laughs> I love you guys too, man. Te amo. <laughs> <laughs> so before you did Israel, you was a, I'm gonna ask you about your time at FC Buffalo, Rock Chase, and Lancers. How was your mm -hmm. time there? Any positive things that stuck out to you there? Yeah, well, I mean, I was still pretty young when I was playing for FC Buffalo. My first season there, I think I was like 19, something like that. And you know, those were guys that I looked up to at the time. You know, it was an MPSL semi-pro, but it's like you know, I knew some of the guys were were bigger players. You know, and I just did everything I could to learn from learn from my elders. You know, that's that's the way I was raised. You know, show show your older people respect and learn from them. So. I kind of just took a back seat because, you know, I was always a good player growing up, but it was, it was different because I took a back seat. I wasn't one of the top players and I barely got the, um, I barely got the chance that I wanted to. I barely even played. So I went to my hometown Rochester and played the next season. I, you know, that's kind of where I started to flourish, I think. Okay. okay. So, I so all it takes is one opportunity, man, you know? <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. Um, so I want to ask you this question. You were born and raised, born in Rochester. Correct. Were you, ever a Rock, were you ever a Rochester Rhinos fan? Did you ever go to games? Anything like that? Um, yeah, dude, big time. Like, <laughs> like, like, I if it wasn't for the Rochester Rhinos, I would not be talking to you right now. You know, like you would be in the Olympics. 
you know. Yeah, true. But <laughs> but no, you got to keep in mind, like back in the day when I was growing up, like they were they were legit, man. Like there were there was talk of them going to MLS. Like when they played in the baseball stadium before they switched stadiums to Paytech, like Mike Kermsey, Scott Vallow, Doug Miller, you know, all those guys. Like those are my heroes, man. And that's why that's why I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Like when I see the kids that I go back and coach at our kickers games and stuff like that, like. I see myself sitting in the stands watching those guys for the Rhinos. You know what I mean? So it's like without the Rhinos, I would have probably never had that passion that, that I do for the game. And I was like, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be a Rhinos player, you know, right now. No, <laughs> but when I was a kid, yeah, I, that's like, that was, that was the goal for me. So I've basically lived my life off. What can I do to get there? So I want to ask you this question. I know that um, Rock Church has been out with a football club for a while, quite a while, but just news broke that Flower City Union is there, and now also the Riders are back, yep. being headed by Jamie Vardy. So for mm-hmm. someone that's in that community, how is it to not only have – to be in a city where there was no football being played outside of the Lancers, and so now having two clubs, how is yeah. it for you, you know, a native? I mean, I haven't been around in a while. Obviously, I've been away basically since I was 18. I've only had time to really pop back there to to visit for short periods of time. But you know, it is it is home to me, and it is very exciting for the city of Rochester to have not only one but two. You know, deemed deemed pro clubs. Obviously, Nice is not FIFA recognized, but you know, having two technical pro clubs would be. I think it's good because I think there's a lot of talent that that comes up there. It's such a remote area that I think a lot of people get looked over. So I think for the youth club, like Empire, the club I played for in the junior rhinos at the time, you know, back in the early 2000s, they were called. But I think it's really good because there's a lot of, you know, I coach there when I go home in the offseason for a month or so, whatever. But there's a, there's a lot of young, talented players that are just so, you know, stuck so far up north that it's hard to get seen and noticed because it's such a remote area. Like, I'd have to travel to Delaware and, you know, places like that just to play one game. And I missed so much school as a kid. So it's good that they're, you know, they're kind of bridging that gap now. Wow, that's insane. But that also pretty dopey excuse to be like, hey, guys, I can't go to school today because I got to go to Delaware. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm 10 years old. I'm kind of a baller. Nah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I retired at 11 from the Olympics. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, all I can say is once I score a goal, not in our own net, you guys will see a bit of gymnastics from me. Oh, I can't wait. I, look, <laughs> I, I have made it known. That if, <laughs> well, look, Carcass, when you score, because I believe you are going to score, I am going to pay the fine when I run on the field and <laughs> I love that, bro. I love that. <laughs> like, all of last year, you were playing up top. Is yeah, right. yeah. Ever done was up top? Was it last year? Yeah, yeah I was playing. Was I was mainly year? playing. I was playing the nine mainly last year. Yeah. And I was like, so I was rooting so hard for you to score because I'm like, Luke needs a goal. Luke needs a goal. Like, yeah. Every week. <laughs> yeah. But, but um. Before we talk about Richmond, how you got here and everything like that, I want to ask you this question. What are some of your favorite things to do in the city of Richmond or when you're not playing soccer outside of doing puzzles and collecting shoes? Yeah, no, nah, man, the puzzles the puzzles were good, but I think, dude, I, I left too much of my brain into those puzzles. Like, this one above me right now, dude, this thing took, like, four months, man. Like, I just don't have that in me anymore. So, um, but I I really enjoy coaching the kids. Um, that's always good to, to, you know, my free time. And it's also another good way to make money, but, um, it could be a bit much. So I have to really balance that with my load as a pro athlete. But 
another thing I like to do, my favorite spot is the river, man. Like that's if I'm ever having a bad day or I need a peace of mind, like I just I live like seven minutes from the river, so I'll just bop over there with Maddie, you know. Just kind of take a second to take some deep breaths, breathe, and you know, like we said, you know, again, you know, can't complain. Life's life's easy, life's good. You know, there's there's people that are in worse situations than us. So I try to get to the river as much as I can in my free time. And then when we're off, you know, the breweries are always a good time. I've actually kind of become a not a not a craft beer snob, but you know, back in the day I was just drinking Miller Lights and stuff like that. And now it's like, dude, I need a proper Richmond IPA. Like <laughs> <laughs> So I'm definitely, you know, that's that's one thing that's changed since I've come here. But yeah, man, I'd say I'd say the river and just like Carytown and, and stuff like that is just it's a really it's a really cool spread out area that, you know, I love when people come to visit me because I love showing them around. What's your favorite uh, brewery in Richmond? Oh, man. So they actually just opened a new Vale on the south side where I live, which is pretty nice. But Vale's not my favorite. Um, I'm going to go with the People's Choice on this one just because I know it's with the club. I'm going to go Three Notch just because, because yo, we, we got the Kickers beer now. You know, it's it's cool stuff. It's but, yeah, I'm I'm going to roll with Three Notch. No, nah, for someone that grew up on the south side of Richmond, because, you know, I'm a Jink Road kid. Yo, that's um, hey, that's where I that's where me and Manor reside, man. Right off Jake. Yeah, man. It's it's so cool to see how much that area has grown up because growing there, it was very bare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I've been I've been here, this is my third year here, and we live we lived in Shock about them for a little bit, but we've mainly been on the south side by like Chippenham Hospital. So even the last three years it's built up a decent amount and like Scott's edition's building up like crazy. Like Scotty Thompson lives there now and guys like that. So, you know, Richmond's really coming a long way and you know, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. Also, I feel bad for y'all that y'all had to look for parking in Chaco Bottom. Dude, oh my god. I'd get home <laughs> I would get home from coaching some nights at like, you know, seven or eight and I'd be parking four or five blocks away, just like I can't be doing this anymore. This is this is extra mileage on my legs and I already ran four miles this morning in training. <laughs> like, yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, so I would ask you, how did you end up coming to Richmond? Because like you said, like your time in Israel was in your words horrible how yeah. did you end up coming to richmond and what made you want to stay in richmond for an extra three years um i gotta give a shout out to my boy maddie because i don't think you know i can't say without him i wouldn't be here because you never know but you know when i was going through a hard time in my life and especially after israel man like i was i was back into that that downward spiral kind of that i caught myself in back in you know 2013 2014 ish and I just told him, like, dude, I'm looking for some help. I'm looking for a home. Um, I'm coming back from Israel. And I so I went on trial when Lee was still coaching. And he kept me around for, like, two, maybe three months. I'd made it through the open tryouts. I'd made it through preseason and all that. And then he let me go kind of last minute, which to me at the time, I was like, you know, that's BS. But, you know, it's all a part of the business. And now that I'm, you know, a four-year pro, I, I totally get it why it happened. You know, I wasn't ready. And I can be honest with myself about that. So I kind of got my bearings about me, got healthy, started training my, you know, my behind off and then got a few trials, you know, Kansas City, Nashville, stuff like that. And same thing, you know, was there for a couple months, always made it through the trials, but then got let go at last minute. So I came back to Richmond, gave it another shot with Bulo and, you know, he put me on a very minimal contract, but, you know, I'm super thankful for that opportunity he gave me you know r.i.p what a guy but you know if it wasn't for him if it wasn't for bulo i wouldn't 
probably be here right now either. And then, you know, Darren took a chance with me as well. And, you know, now I see myself as one of the core guys and, you know, I'm starting to get older now. So it's, you know, it's kind of been crazy, but time flies. And yeah, I have to definitely, definitely thank Maddie because he was probably one of the main reasons I even thought about coming to Richmond because that's my boy. So I got to ask you this question as well, man. We've seen you play. I'm trying to remember this right. We've seen you play striker, right wing, right mid, fullback. I yeah, le- left wing, left wing, the 10. I played a 10 for a couple minutes here and there. Like <laughs> I think everything outside of center back and goalkeeper. You might have played yep. back. Who knows? Yeah. No, actually, it's funny because when I was with Bulo, like, you know, I was basically, I mean, you know, you remember, I didn't play much and I broke my leg, so that didn't help. But I was like a training player, basically. So I was filling in at center back. And, you know, I have to think back to my time that season because I was basically just a training player. Hey, Luke, go play here, go play there, go play there. And I've always played a lot of positions my whole life. But, like, I think that year is the, you know, playing professionally at a bunch of different positions. It, You know, it's a mental overload. I can definitely handle it, so. So I want to ask this. What do you feel like is Luke Pavone's true position? Because I asked this question to Matt, and Matt was like, oh, I'm a winger. And then we see him, you know. He, he, and he's he like, no, I'm a 10. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Man, Matt, he's funny. I was listening to that podcast. That was a good one. But um, me, naturally, any wide position. Like, growing up, I played a lot of outside mid. Um, at UMass, I played center mid and outside mid. At Buff State, I played the 10, um, a little 9. Um, here at the kickers, you know, I've mainly been a uh, forward, which definitely isn't my favorite position, but you know, Darren's the boss. If he tells me to go do something, I got to go do it, you know, <laughs> like, so, but I, I, you know, I enjoy leading the press as the nine, but if I had it, you know, I think my most natural position is either the, you know, left or right mid seven or 11, but I'm also really starting to enjoy playing fullback as well. The two. So I want to ask you this question. I know it might be a little sore subject. Can you walk us through what happened with the old goal against Greenville? <laughs> hey, man, like, I was doing my best to backtrack. I made a long run and just stay. Hey, it happens in the professional game. I mean, if you look at the Euros, like, the leading goals score was an own goal. So it's like, it just, it happens. I tried clearing the ball. Should have checked my shoulder. I had more time than I did. But, you know, in the moment, it's it's just in the moment, heat of the moment, I mis- miscleared the ball and smashed it into my own net. It was a phenomenal finish. <laughs> Did any guys give you a hard time after that? It was like, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I was taking, I was, I was taking jokes for, I still am, to be honest. But like, you know, the guys know me. I like to keep it lighthearted and I like to joke around myself. So if you got, if you can dish them, you got to be able to handle them. Yeah, that's 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 right. That's good to see. That's good. To see. So I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought up. I want to ask you this: Who is the jokesters on the team? Like, who is the guy always cracking jokes? <laughs> it's I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Me, Chris Cole, Nathan Ani. Stanley, Maddie. See, I don't want to leave any of the homies out. That's those are like those are the guys usually like cracking jokes a lot and like trying to keep it pretty light. But you know, we're also all have a switch that flips very, very quick, you know. Okay. All right. That's good to see. That's good to see. Um, and Darren, Darren too, man. Darren's always busting people's balls. To be honest, like he's he's always giving it to people, but it's good. Like it, it's it's good. It, it keeps the environment proper. I can imagine, man. I ain't gonna lie, yo. Like Darren as a coach would probably scare me, but I would probably run through a brick wall for that man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You said it perfect. Oh, <laughs> um, so what is your best memory as a kickers player? 
Oh man, actually, this is, I might have mentioned this in an interview before, but it's going to be something totally unexpected. You guys are probably gonna be like, Oh, that three, two win over North Texas, who you guys would never be. was probably great. Right. Which was, <laughs> which was incredible. Yes. I will, I will say that I was very excited to finally beat them. But, um, last year we had a game in Arizona where I don't know if we came back to win. Yeah, we did. Vic scored late. We came back to win after being down, and we weren't even playing great. But we had this moment, and you've probably never been to the stadium in Arizona in Tucson, but they have, like, these beautiful mountains behind the stadium. And it's not even that nice of a stadium. You know, I'll take I'll take City Stadium over any stadium. But, like, the way the sun was setting behind the mountains and, like, the whole team just kind of – we kind of just, like, sat on the field after the game together. And, like, none of us cooled down. None of us wanted to go in the locker room, like, the, the people picking up the garbage, like the janitors and stuff were like, Hey, you guys got to go. Like, you know, we're shutting down and none of us could just be bothered. Like we had just enjoyed the moment as a team, you know, as a family together on the field and just like seeing everyone smile the way we were, just how we kind of came together and just, you know, just that moment for me was just so memorable. And it's, you know, a lot of people probably say, you know, like all oh, the goal I scored or this or that. But for me, that was just like, that's, that's what it's all about, man. You know? I remember that game vividly because I was just like, oh, we're going to draw this game. But I can't remember. I forgot who shot the ball originally that it led to the corner. But I was like, if that goal's not going in, then we're obviously not about to win it. And oh, then, I yeah. do remember that. Yeah, someone smashed like Mumu. It was Mumu smashed, yes. like a, Mumu smashed like a sick left-footed volley and it was going in and some kid like cleared off the line and we scored on the corner kick in the 90th minute. You know what that was? It was oh, was that Calvo? That was Calvo, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. That's so funny, man. That's so funny. But yeah, I'll never forget it either because I remember trying to like, we were so tired. I remember trying to high five Vic and he just ran right by me. And I'm, I'm, I still don't let him live it down. I'm like, dude, you left me hanging, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is hilarious, bro. So, yeah. we also know, like, there are also, as there are many ups as a pro player, there's also downs. Yeah. So, how does it feel to come over to the Red Army after a win or after a tough loss? But really, both. How does it feel? Um, I mean, obviously, it's harder for a loss because, you know, you guys you guys mean so much to us and the fans and, and the city of Richmond itself. You know, we, we really do try to play for you guys and we try to put on as much as a show as we can. And Darren said that, you know, a lot the past two years, you know, he'd rather win five to two than one nothing. So it's like it's easy to come over to you guys when we win because everyone's happy, you know, we're squirting water bottles around. But, you know, when when you lose, it's you got to look at yourself in the mirror and, you know, you got to take a step back and you just get back to the training ground. But you know, we we know that you guys support us no matter what. Even if even if you guys are pissed off at us, we still gotta go. You know, say our thanks because you know without you guys, the environment wouldn't be the same. Home games wouldn't be as fun as they are and stuff like that. So we're we're really appreciative and we try to always come over and you know say hi to you guys. And during COVID, it was hard. I got yelled at a few times for giving high fives when I shouldn't have. But now you know that we're vaccinated and stuff. It's it's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, man. Because I ain't gonna lie, like after that first game, it was like. Do you have five? Do you have five? Yeah, he's like, what do I what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I tell you what, if I score at your end, I'm jumping up with you guys, man. I'm getting in the stands. Let's go. You gotta do it, man. You gotta do it. Well well, like Braden used to do it, Shanowski used to do it, DJ used to do it. Like we haven't been able to jump in the stands in like two years, so hopefully some of the boys are gonna listen to the podcast because I'm sure Emmy or someone will probably score before I do, but you know, we we try to do it for you guys for sure. So I want to ask you this, man. Like, do you see yourself becoming like a club legend almost? Because like the way how the fans talk about you is like, you know, you're you're the energizer, buddy. You're the one on the field. There's like, I I think we were talking about it in the game against North North Carolina FC. We were like, 
no matter what, is like I know Luke is going to mm-hmm. run himself into the ground. He's going to give everything. You know. Yeah. Do you see um, yourself becoming that club legend? I'm gonna be honest. I um, I'm a pretty humble guy, and I actually just watched the game back the other night, and I noticed that like I was the player to watch, and I just kind of like had a laugh to myself because I was like, "Why'd they pick me, man?" You know what I mean? Like, there's like, because I see myself as like, you know, I've worked extremely hard to get to where I am today, and you know, I've gone through a lot of stuff to get to get here. But for me, you know, like I don't see myself as the most talented guy. I see myself as like the James Milner on the team. You know, like what whatever I have to do for my team to be successful. And like whatever role I have to play, which is I think why you see me playing, you know, the nine or outside mid or outside back. It's like, because I'm never gonna be like a ten out of ten. Like that's just you know I I I know that about myself. I, I maybe I could be, but you know, like Braden Troy was always a six out of ten at every position. I always remember him them in training. He's always just a solid guy. Never gonna do anything crazy, but you know, always gonna do the hard work and always just grind. So you know, learn from him from the past couple of years. You know. It got to me a little bit in the beginning of the season when I was getting moved around all over the place, but I kind of just came to the realization, like, you know, not a lot of people can do this, and it's kind of rare nowadays for people to be a Swiss Army knife. And I really like adopting that name because one of my best friends, Jordan Allen, that's what they called him for Real Salt Lake. So he's a Rochester guy as well. So it's pretty cool for me to, you know, have that kind of name you guys have been giving me as a Swiss Army knife. So I don't really see myself as a legend, (laughs) but would I like to be a Richmond Kickers legend? Of of course, of of course, like, without a doubt, you know, I, I don't have... I love it here. You know, I love playing for, for Darren. I love playing for this city. I don't see myself, you know, you know, hopefully going anywhere anytime soon. So, you know, one day would I like to call myself a legend? 100%, man. Who wouldn't? But for now, you know, I just see myself as, like I said, you know, kind of the James Milner of the team, you know, doing whatever I can for, for my boys. And they all know that I'd run through a brick wall for them no matter what. And Darren knows that too. So, um, I want to ask you this question. With last year, we saw players like Braden Torrey retire, um, mm-hmm. you know, Kyle Vintner. You know, guys that yeah. were quote unquote, Scott, as, Greg, yeah, yeah, guys that were looked at as the leaders of the mm-hmm. team. How difficult has that been for the team this year to kind of almost replace those guys? And also, you know, at the humble performance, right? Are you seeing guys step up into those roles, you know, to help the team where there's tough on field moments? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I, I can promise you that, you know the guys who know Kyle Ventner, Scotty, Greg, you know, those guys, they're, they're missed 100%. They're definitely missed, but you know, that's the, that's the brutal side of the business. You know, people come and go and you have to move forward no matter what. I thought, I thought Kyle Ventner was one of the best, if not the best captain I've had. And, uh, you know, those are big shoes to fill. Yvonne and Emmy are doing a phenomenal job. You know, they're great leaders. Everyone respects them. And, uh, you know, Akira, being a player coach, you know, very wise guys. So we have guys that are filling the void for sure. You know, I think it comes a little less natural to Yvonne because he's a quieter guy than Kyle was, but I think he's still a very, you know, lead by example kind of guy. And, you know, everyone respects Yvonne. I respect Yvonne. He's a great guy, good captain. So yeah, I think we filled the void in that department properly for sure. But, uh, you know, everyone it's, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a team kind of, you know, when guys need to step up, they know, you know, Maddie will say stuff when he needs to put his two cents in, you know, I've been a captain in my past teams. So I'll put my two cents in, but you know, Emmy and Emmy and Yvonne, you know, they're, they're the captain. So you listen to them no matter what. So I'm going to ask you a tough question, man. And I want you to be honest with me. No, right. right. you have, you have my honesty. <laughs> if you had to pick a kicker's five aside, we're not going to put goalkeeper out there because of course, you know, it'd probably be a oh, <laughs> If you had to pick a kicker's five aside, 
who are you picking? Oh, man. All right, I'm going to exclude myself out of it. Like, do I have to be in the five, or can I pick five other people? You can pick five other people. You don't have to put yourself. I'm going to go Yvonne. All right, hold on. I got I to put it on my finger so I don't, I don't say six. I'm going to go Yvonne. <laughs> I'm going to go Yvonne, Maddie, because Maddie's right. a dog. Um, Emmy. Uh-huh. That leaves me two more, right? Yeah, you got two more. Oh, man. This is hard. Uh, I would probably go Zaka so we can speak English or speak Spanish to Emmy and communicate within the five. <laughs> okay. We got to <laughs> uh, people ultimate team connection. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, green link between them two. <laughs> and then that leaves me one more. Let's see. We only got one defender in there. I would go with... Olix, just because his direct nature and just unpredictability, you know, he wants to get the ball and just go. So it's like, you never know. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll, I'll go with those fives. I'll, I'll put myself on the bench. <laughs> All right. So no real defense. We just out here skulls. Got you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Yvonne can handle it. And Maddie will do the defensive work as well. <laughs> so Yvonne's a strong right. enough dude to hold the five aside up by himself. All right. Cool, cool, cool. That works. That works. <laughs> Well, Luke, man, I want to say this has probably been one of the funniest podcasts I've done with the player, man. It's been awesome <laughs> to talk to you, my guy. Yeah, bro. I appreciate you guys having me. It's really cool. I appreciate that. Nah, no problem, man. Look, we're going to need a link to this uh, Spotify playlist so we can rate it or not, man. Yeah, I got to get going, man. I, it's funny because I was giving Maddie a hard time. He kept, he's been telling me for like two years, dude, you get Spotify, get Spotify. I've been an Apple Music guy. And then for some reason, it wouldn't take my card. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I got to get Spotify. I'm still figuring out how to use it. So. Give me a couple of weeks. I'll have some playlists for you guys. All right. All right. We oh, and keep, keep a lookout. Me and Maddie will have a mixtape dropping at some point in the next couple of years. Get what? <laughs> yeah, that's all I can say. Don't worry about it. Another COVID project. Oh, this is, <laughs> oh, is going to be hilarious. Yep, yep. So let me ask this because I'm on the topic of this now. Who's the better rapper? Maddie, no doubt. Hey, listen, when, whenever whenever you ask me questions about me and someone else, my answer is always going to be the other person just because that's the kind of guy I am. But he, he's been rapping for longer, and he sounds better than I do. I got a kind of a crappy voice. But we both make pretty good beats. But, you know, I'll throw some auto-tune in. We got, we got a wide variety of stuff, so you'll have to hear it for yourself, yeah. So we got the Beastie Boys playing for Richmond. I love it. <laughs> Yo, basically, man. But no, our me and Maddie's relationship, man, it stems back so far. We're we're homies. We're always kicking at the house, just doing weird stuff, being different. So it's cool that you guys ask these questions and get to you know find out a bit more out you know about us because we're more than just soccer players. Oh yeah, that's what we love doing these podcasts, man. Um, any last things for you before we wrap up? No, nah, man. Go kickers. Appreciate you guys. You know, River City means so much to us. You know. You guys in the corner section know means the world. So let's keep grinding. And, you know, we're on the front foot right now. So let's just keep the positivity rolling, you know? Of course, man. Of course, man. Well, always, listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at RiverCity93, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'll let you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>